Welcome, friends and family, to Random Episode number 81. We're going to be talking Bumblebee, Bandersnatch, which is the new Netflix interactive movie, and then the second half of Season 3 of Breaking Bad before getting into the great, the greatness that was the year in movies of 2018. We both have top 10 list and probably quite a few... Uh, Honorable mentions for sure. Um, Luke texted me about a couple hours ago asking if we do top 20 lists, and uh, I didn't realize he meant literally picking 20 movies from I think like 120 that we saw. It's not a very good average, is it? There's only 20 that I can make a list of. <laughs> um, I think when I finally pared it down, like when I started looking over the things that I really enjoyed, uh, I think I skimmed it from 120 to 30. And then yeah, from that 30, I pulled the 10. Before I have a rough... Um, there was a, yeah, there was a handful that you had um, watched last year that I didn't get around to. And I think there's a few that you watched this year as well that I wasn't able to get to, like um, The Hate You Give and whatnot, so... Even though we both watched relatively probably 125 movies, yeah, it's it's a pretty goddamn good year of movies. Um, I just talked to somebody on Twitter that uh, was asking for recommendations, and I was like, sorry for bothering you. It's on Hulu. Don't look anything up. Just go into it. He's like, all right, I might. I'm like, do it. So, and that's um, how you know if that person will be a friend. They're going to hate you or love you <laughs> that's a that's a pretty good uh, rationale denominator to see <laughs> where people's entertainment lies so um so let's get right into it let's start with bumblebee because you just got out of it and i feel like people have already seen it that want to see it and maybe there's a people some people on the edge that might want to see it so oh, what'd I can you tell think? You that. apparently people are still seeing it because the theater was fucking full when i went this afternoon well, that's fair. They're not on. They're not working. They just hung over it. They want a good, entertaining movie. Yeah, and all they those got it. Fucking hot. <laughs> How'd you like it? It's fine. I mean, I'm sure you're gonna blow it for five minutes because it's Transformers the way you remember them as a kid. But uh, I just I don't have any connection to that. It wasn't my thing growing up, and. So I've liked. Oh, oh, you weren't a huge Transformers fan growing up, dude. I never saw the animated movie until you made me watch it when we lived together. What? Yeah, that was the first time well, I ever saw. That. that makes a lot more sense of why you're not such a huge fan like I am. Um, okay, that makes more sense. Um, yeah, I really liked it. Uh, it's the exact movie I kind of wanted. Um, all the other Michael Bay productions are, I hate with a passion. And this one is kind of like, all right, I can like Transformers again. It's fine. This does exactly what I wanted them to. It still got a little weird stuff like the overcomplicated. Sometimes he's overcomplicated transforming. Sometimes it takes a half a second to switch to a bug, but uh, it's weird. Um, an overcomplicated storyline for no reason, it seems. Um, but yeah, I just enjoyed it. It, it wasn't. I, at all. 
there was like three different storylines competing for what was the most important. No, there was one main storyline and like two B-side lines, even that. Yeah, that's three, jackass. <laughs> I'm sorry, you can't pay attention to more than one storyline. How do you watch narrative television? No, but no, 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 no. But none of those were, I don't know, good enough for a, one actual storyline. Well, that's why they're barely there. It's because you can't be yeah. Bumblebee and that girl the entire time. So we need to see what Johnson is up to for a second. No, you How don't. That's why the first the first Michael Bay kind of works because it follows, for the most part, Bumblebee and... Wait, wait, yeah, and so does this movie. For the most part. Well, yeah, but it got way convoluted with going chasing after the Decepticons and seeing what they're doing. And that was seeing that they're being Decepticons. The first I'm not saying it was crazy overcomplicated. I'm just saying they were unnecessary for the like most part. In the part. first one, when his grandfather was an Arctic explorer and he had Decepticon language imprinted on his glasses and they had to buy them from eBay, right? That, that was a good subject. Yeah. All that shit was unnecessary. I'm with you. You're just trying to yell at me because I enjoyed this movie. Well, I enjoyed more it too. You need to relax. It's what the first movie should have been. It's what the first movie was sold as. You know? yeah. A boy getting his first car and like going into adulthood and the transformative experience of that, but car happens to be a robot that's how they sold that first movie it's not that but this one is yeah yeah i thought it was strange how they kind of used or like they borrowed bits and pieces for continuation with those series but it seems like they kind of shunned them in the same way yeah, it made no sense like i haven't watched the list i only saw the first three michael bay ones and then i bailed and i haven't seen them forever but like didn't Optimus come to Earth for the first time in that first Michael Bay movie when Bumblebee calls them all in? Yeah. Yep. yep. So when them arriving yeah. and him being a cab over definitely wasn't the same part. Um, yeah. Him being a car on Cybertron wasn't a part. And did like fucking um, Bumblebee just fuck off for 20 years wait for Sam Witwicky to show up? Uh, yeah, for the most part it seemed like. Um... Yeah, which was even stranger because for the trailers they use Bernie Mac's speech for him getting his car. Because <laughs> Bernie Mac's dead, nobody can stop. And what I thought was so strange is like, so they went ahead and just did their own thing for the most part, but they still ripped out Bumblebee's fucking voice box at the beginning of it. Like, there was just unnecessary choices that they made for it. <laughs> Whatever, it's better. You get to see Bumblebee talking through the Smiths lyrics. That's much better than whatever dumb voice he had at the beginning. That's fair. That's fair. Um, listen, you give me an '80s movie with Bon Jovi's "Runaway" in it, and I'm good. I'm in. I'm good with it. Like there is an inordinate amount of needle drops in this movie, but I'm cool with it because it's all pretty sweet '80s music. Come on, when when they're running yeah. from the cops and they drop fucking I can't drive fifty five. I was like, I got it. It's cool. Yeah, dude, I was in. I was like, yeah, I just had an enjoyable time. It was just that ridiculous fun for the end of the year that I enjoyed. It definitely didn't make the top ten, but it was fun. I was like, this is in his top ten. 
Optimus Prime looks right. Nope. It's in this top ten. <laughs> Uh, I think for the if we would have done the top tens last week, there's a chance it might have been. Um, but a week. But no, I just had fun with it. Thinking different. Yeah, it's just an all right. It, I mean, it's just fun. It's that say it's the same fun that the Transformers cartoon movie had, um, just not all robots all the time. So. And also, I can't wrap my head around Transformers, so it'll never make sense to me. Like, did they create or they built? Do they have consciousness? Like, I, like when he loses his memory, is he a new Bumblebee after that? Like, I just don't understand. Um. So his memories got corrupted when he got fuck fucking mangled, but they rebuilt themselves once he got power. His power recharged. Yeah, I understand. But, I mean, um, during that time, was like, is he? the memory that he lost, does that encode his personality into it? And he's a blank slate after, or is it, you know, is, is it as a human, if we lose our memory, we still have our bare personality traits at some part, right? We understand some stuff. If you have amnesia, which is essentially what a robot, yeah. so do the robots fuck. I mean, how are they, are they just built? Is someone just building the robots? I don't understand it. That I don't have the lore for. Um, it's, the same as like, <laughs> it's the same as like those fucking Pixar car movies. I'm like, do, do, they have seats. They're meant to have someone inside them. Do they kill humanity and rise up? What happened here? <laughs> You're diving way too far into these movies. Yeah. But that's hilarious. <laughs> uh, I, it was cool. Uh, I the opening sequence from Cybertron was the best. Um, seeing all the old school G1s. Um, I don't think it was Starscream that followed Bumblebee, but it kind of seems like they were kind of leaning on him that he killed. Then because um, Starscream's in the other movies. <laughs> yeah, see, and that's what doesn't quite line up and make sense. Um, also, there was, like, I never saw the fifth one, because the fourth one pissed me off so bad. But apparently, like, Optimus is, um, like, he helped with um, King Arthur and, like, that whole storyline. So, like, when Bumblebee showed up in this one, like, in the trailers, he was that Jeep. And it seemed like he had been here since, like, World War Two era. What? And, like, I guess, like... He scammed it. Because he he had... Been, no, 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 but he had been here since the King Arthur days. And I think that's what the fifth one was, but... I don't think it was them. I never saw it. So. Autobots. These, that's the other thing. These robots fucking age. Remember that big old one in, like, number three or whatever? And he was... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those movies are, but this one's fun, so... See Bumblebee if you haven't. If you're on the fence, go go see it. Um, robots are being made. Why do they make a shitty small one? Why is one made to look like a dog? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Because they got to have their different character and personalities. You can't have that if you're all the same. Pink Floyd had songs about that. And also, is that what I saw in this movie? Yeah, that is exactly what you saw. (laughs) 
I love it because everybody was dumb. They're like, oh, telephone. You can do us all over telephone lines? Yeah, but at least, at least yeah. see this smart enough to be like, they're named the fucking Decepticons. Why would I trust them? That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. And he, he also got that gnarly ass scar for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> so it's fun. Go see it. Um, moving from that to the new Black Mirror Bandersnatch. How'd you like that? Well, you know how I feel about Black Mirror, so I think that should answer your question. You only liked one sixth of it? <laughs> <laughs> it's close. Uh, no, it's not good at all. Uh, I like it. I like that it's trying to do something different. Um, I couldn't do it on my, I couldn't do it on my tablet because I couldn't interact with it for some reason. But I could do it on my iPhone just fine. Uh, I figure you did it on your TV. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, doing something different though. It's just a fucking FMV video game from 1998. <laughs> Listen, you're gonna have to stop stepping all over my goddamn notes as I'm trying to lure people into this discussion. Um, but yeah, that's essentially what the fuck it is. <laughs> Come on, there's like, oh, it's, so it's like, no, no, I've been seeing this for 20 years. This is nothing new. It's new that it's on. Yeah, I played video games exactly like this in the 90s. I would say it's like it's new for Netflix, but it's not. Apparently, they have like two or three kids TV shows that are interactive like that. Huh. I did not know that. That's interesting. Um, What path? Well, go ahead. What pathway did you take? I don't know. It's just. I don't know. I got so many different endings and stuff because it. Okay, okay. So to let the to let people listening to this, when we decided we were gonna do Band of Snatch, we didn't know how it was going to work. So we went into it with knowing you would either be playing for like ninety minutes or like two and a half hours. Um so we were like, All right, just take one path and then we'll reconvene and see what we did. But the way this movie is structured it kind of takes you back to the last fork in the road. Yeah, it takes that you back to decisions. the last choice you made that led you to the end. But the thing was, like, I just played until the end credits came. And it shut itself off. Yeah. Yeah, I did too. So, um, what was your first death? Uh, I jumped off the building. <laughs> Incredible. That's the one I didn't do. <laughs> oh, that's so fun. That's hilarious. Uh, as soon as Colin dropped and died, I was like, huh, son of a bitch, let's drop acid and jump off a fucking building. Yeah, I, I was like, I'll jump. It's going to just wake me up again or whatever. And it's just like, <laughs> the video game never shipped because the untimely death of the creator. And I was like, what? <laughs> Damn it, I never got that one. Um, so my first death was uh, fighting my therapist and then my dad killing me. <laughs> Your dad killed you? I, I fought my therapist, but like it just ended. My dad didn't kill me. Well, he dragged you out the front. Yeah, and then it just ends. Yep, I got that one too. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> I got the. But then I guess probably like the one that went the longest was like, um, I killed my dad, cut up his body, released a video game, and got five star review. And then, oh, that's interesting. I never got that. Yeah, so, yeah, like, um, they, so I'm guessing when you, so when you do the kill dad, mm-hmm. that's when it uh, gives you the tree of like cutting him up and then burying mm-hmm. him. Yep. And then, so there's a different way you can get there is uh, when you go to the therapist, then it reverts to the um, picture book thing. Um, also, the PAX thing was ridiculous. Yeah, I got that one too. Uh, I was waiting for him to show up and fuck, up, fuck around, but he never really did. Um, so there's when you're, when you're in the kitchen, it's a different you're standing in different places and uh, he just grabs the fucking ashtray and just knocks him in the head and then you see him like patting down the um, ground where he buried him and I think he got two and a half out of five because of the code like kind of fucked up on that last day yeah so uh, um, so the one that I got he gets five stars but they're like you know, they later found out that he killed his father, so they pulled all the copies and pulled them. And then, uh, then it's in present time, and it's Colin's daughter grown up, and she's like, "I found a copy of the game and my dad's stuff, and I decided to remake it." And someone's interviewing him, like, "We heard you're making it for Netflix," and she's like, "I can't say that," and then it shows that she's writing this episode. Huh. God damn! I mean, was she the director? Uh, no, she just was like you... she was. She was basically mapping out all the choices and watching the footage and cutting it together, and then you make her destroy oh, okay. the computer. But you, you got the director ending that went into the uh, credits. Right? Yeah, and then that went into the credits, but then okay. it kicked me back out again, and I got the travel back in time and kill yourself, Donnie Darko ending too. Wait, you can kill yourself in the. In the uh, past? Oh, you didn't get that one? <laughs> no, I didn't. Fuck. Yeah, um, so when you, uh, uh, when you, like, go to sleep and you have the choice to, like, pick the book or the picture of your family, if you okay. pick the book, when you go back, when you walk through the mirror and stuff, you go into your father's office and there's a safe in it. If you enter toy, yeah, yeah. it opens and the rabbit's in there in <laughs> the dead sees Oh, you. yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I did. I So I did. I picked that. I picked the toy. And then when the mom wanted to leave on the train, uh, you're, I was like, no, I'm not fucking killing myself. Get out of here, bitch. Oh, yeah, no, you, you uh, the train with her. Yeah. Yeah, and then it just proceeded like normal. Oh, that makes and sense. It's, Fuck, uh, that's weird. You go on the train. The train derails and you die, and then it cuts to the present where, uh, like, you're in the therapist's office, and she's like, "He died. He just closed his eyes and he died." And, uh, and then it cuts to like the very beginning of the episode where you're on the bus mm-hmm. listening to your headphones, and uh, it like drives past a billboard. And it says no future written on it in graffiti because you have no future because you're 
don't choose to kill yourself in the past. Huh. I'll be damned. I figured there was something there. Uh, I was always waiting for the dog just to become vicious and come and kill you. I guess... From the beginning. I guess one of them, it's... And that's the reason I didn't bury my father's body is because one of the things is, like, the dog will dig the body up. Because you see it digging. I was like, there's a fucking neighbor's dog that's digging in our yard. I'm not going to fucking bury my father. I'm going to chop him up in the bathroom with this fucking hacksaw. <laughs> see, that's so fun. But see, the problem Look at is... All, all the stuff they put in this. Outside of... Just the idea of making the choices and being able to discuss what we saw that was different, like it's not narratively captivating at all. Yeah, yeah, that's like when uh, so near the end with the therapist, it's like it gives you the choice of uh, introducing more action into it because it's it's stale and boring, and then out of nowhere she just fucking starts fighting. She just wants to fucking fight and it's like, alright, let's get into it. Let's fucking just throw down and uh, have this ridiculous, and then five seconds later, it's over. (laughs) But no, I love the concept of it. I think I hope they do more of this kind of stuff, um, but with better stories, obviously. But uh, now I kind of want to go back and see those other storylines play out and whatnot. It's like... It's hard to make that interesting, though. Because, uh... Yeah, yeah, I can believe it. Even in one of the endings, you know, he... And that's the thing I kind of hate about it. It's very smug, wink-wink, metatextual that Black Mirror does that I kind of fucking hate it for, and it's smarter than it thinks it is. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, he talks about how he's just like, I figured out the game, you know, I was giving them too many choices. They really just want the illusion of choice. And that's what you realize, like, in, like, kind of interesting video games when and do the, a lot of choice-based stuff. Where, when the fuck did he say that? Uh, he said it in one of my endings. When he got the five-star review. God damn it. Son of a bitch. <laughs> you know, like, if you play through, like, yeah. a Telltale game a couple times, like, it doesn't really affect much, you know? the It's the illusion of choice mm-hmm. that's guiding you, but really they're crafting the narrative and making sure you're going to end at this end point regardless. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so play through it because it'll take you an hour and a half. Did it take you? An and hour? I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, I think it was a little over an hour. Yeah, it, yeah, it was like probably an hour five and a half. or something. <laughs> but yeah, um, that's that. And then we got Breaking Bad, second part of season three, which is fucking incredible. we started discussing this as soon as i got into it like in all the different beats that we hit like because when we stopped last week was with episode six so luke wanted to save episode seven especially for me going into it and what a fucking ride that was (laughs) uh that's what I say. like i know how the season was good because you were texting me and we never do that we usually keep our opinions to ourselves until the end of or until we record but even then you're like holy shit gangs back together and i was like no no finish the fucking episode man <laughs> it's like oh it's so good like we got to discussing how great um jesse and walt play off each other and like how this 
how they're the main focus of the show and they're able to do that is because they play so well off each other and they are fucking working their asses off to make this show so great. And like they're far beyond all the other actors on the show by a landslide. Um, oh, like uh, I'd love to see them in something else, but like it feels like this is such a uh, flash in the pan situation. Yeah, I mean, I think they're both really good actors. I just don't think they've had anything. I don't know. Cranston hasn't done much. Uh, he's doing some Broadway stuff. And, you know, I saw that Need for Speed movie with their. Yeah, I liked Need for Speed. Uh, it was better than I was expecting. But I wouldn't say that okay, well, yeah, they are like head and shoulders really good, but everyone else is really, really good though too. It's not like they're sh- surrounded by shitty actors. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, like I will forever be enamored to watch any scene with Walt and Gus in it because they're saying so much more with their body language and their eyes than they are with what mm-hmm. words. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And Mike's um, great. It's really great seeing all these characters getting fleshed out even more. Um, especially with Hank's fucking little arc for this back half is because getting back to episode seven, like he comes into trouble with Jesse and fucking beats the shit out of him, which leads him to getting suspended. And then the assassins come after him. Which that fucking shootout was incredible. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Um, because you have Hank without a gun, and then Walt putting the pieces together late. It's so great that, like, all these details are sprinkled along the way. And, like, if you blink, you miss them. But, like, the right person hears just the right thing that they need to hear to explore that further. And, like, when Walt figures out what happened with the supply chain and why he's making so much meth for him um, is because he's filling in the gaps. And when Jesse realizes how screwed they're getting because they're making this demand and like the whole second phone situation that led to Walt and Skylar separating and like the show's written so endearingly intelligent that it comes off as kind of sloppy, which is even more maddening because it's so good. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you get uh, you know, the, the, the assassination attempt and then we're quiet for you know, an episode, Hank in the hospital kind of things mellow out a little bit and then it's just a fucking shotgun blast till the end. You know, like it, the season does not let up at the back half. Yeah, for sure. Um, like, we figured Jesse and Walt would be getting back together, and Jesse is so fucking upset because he got the shit kicked out of him because Walt's fucking bad luck is rubbing off on anybody but Walt. And, <laughs> like, he gets cornered and he says, fuck you, and doesn't want to go that way. And um, so they strike up this um, partnership again. He does not just say, fuck you, I don't want to do it. He literally says, I'm going to do it myself and I'm going to be sloppy yeah. and if I get caught, I'm turning you in because you're a bigger fish than me. Like, he's literally holding bolts for whoever is that and using it against them. Yeah, yeah. But you get that beautiful scene where, like, you know, Walt's like, no, 
your, your cookie is good. You know, it's just as good as mine. Mm-hmm. And then you get that kind of reconciliatory call where it's like partners, sure, we're 50-50 partners. Yeah. You, know, you kind of get, you see all the bluster and Walt wanting to throw all the blame and guilt onto Jesse and to meet him. He actually cares for the kid. Mm-hmm. But then you get this awesome, like, okay, so they're on Easy Street. And they don't have anything to worry about. All they have to do is make math and make money. Um, which takes all the wind out of the show's tension until they inject it right fucking back in with the whole fly episode. And like Walt kind of looking back on his past mistakes and like coming to this realization where there was a point where if he lived up to everything would have been hunky dory. Um, and since he lived past that, he's now cutting into like everybody's time around him. But not only that, like, and like what that episode's so great, like in terms of introspection, is it's literally Walt asking why, why, why am I doing this? <laughs> and he's always lied to himself and said it was because of the money. But it's why he does that. Like, look at how mm-hmm. man, like lifeless and down he is this whole season because he's not. Yeah. He's emasculated again, and you can see it in everything. And he's literally in that episode just being like, why am I doing this? Why? What's the point? You know, I should have died. I should be dead. All that. And looking at his past mistakes, but he's also saying, what's the fucking point of doing this if I don't get the thrill and have the freedom I wanted from it? And that's why it's not long after that that fucking, you know, hides him. Yeah, well, I think he realizes... He realizes the power that he did have and the, the, how, even though it was frustrating, the power he commanded because he was so alive with all this power that he commanded. And then, like, realizing the brilliant scheme that Gus has put into play and, like, realizing that he wants that again. And and also, um, like, and then how? I know. I think you know he respects Gus to a point, but he's also just like, you know, he's bending the knee to a guy. He he's above that. The great Heisenberg shouldn't be doing that. You know, there's that scene where mm-hmm. Gus invites him over for dinner, and he literally hands Walt the knife, handle first, pointed right at his stomach, and you see in Walt's eyes that like, yeah. he realizes this guy doesn't even see me as a threat. He has no. Fear of me. Huh. Uh, I'm the whole Gale situation as well. Um, I think if you wouldn't have brought up the fact that he was there to as Gus's man, I probably wouldn't have seen it until like they realized it. And when they do, and realize what needs to be done just to keep Walt around because they need his chemist. Um, but you get those great scenes where you see Gus is, has this incredible scheme laid out to the point where he knows how long he should give everybody. And, like, if Gail didn't do that within the one day, I bet you he would have been dead and there would have been a new cook in yeah. to figure it out. Are you terrified of Gus yet? Man or chicken man? I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm re-terrified of Walt. <laughs> because he was able to enact all this again. Um, 
the fat like those great scenes between him and um is Bob, right? Mike was the contract Mike the contract killer. And like even Mike is such a character that we get to see in passing has such depth because he has that great little scene with Walt in his house and he's like you see fucking you get to see Combo's killer how he was taking care of them dealing through kids and whatnot. Um, and then you see him, they go to the table with Gus. Gus has no more kids. So they deal with the kid by killing him. And that puts a real bad taste in uh, Jesse's mouth because he just basically got this kid killed because he didn't want him dealing. Um, but also he wanted revenge for his, his friend. So he goes to get it, and he's going to get fucking shot like a motherfucker. Tell. And out of nowhere, Aztec. fucking Walt's Aztec comes in and just kills the shit out of both of them. <laughs> oh, it's so ridiculous. Come on, um, Aztec. I, I love to hate that Aztec. Like, when it shows up, I'm like, that fucking Walt. If I had a million dollars, that'd be the last fucking thing I'd be driving. <laughs> like, they even talked about it, like, um, you know, when they were conceptualizing Walt, you know, like, before he grew the goatee, he had that real ineffectual mustache. He wears really greeny, earth-toned browns and stuff that kind of make him look like shit. And they were like, and we wanted to pick the worst car possible, so we got an Aztec. What's so amazing is, like, that car lived for, like, five years. You don't really see him on the road anymore. So, it is it is really this black mark on American vehicles, it is. which is so great for him. For, like, since they were, you know, damaging the car and stuff, they had to, like, they bought multiple Aztecs because they, they didn't have the parts to repair the other ones, you know? Yeah. So, like, when it's all damaged <sighs> So they're like, that's their stunt car. And when it's fixed, they had to go get a new one. <laughs> uh, but still with the flip phones and everything, it's such a wild time capsule in American culture at the time. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, yeah. So, Walt, uh, you know, and, and not even like, uh, I need to do this. And he, he's like, he doesn't feel any compunction about doing it. It doesn't like he rams them, pops out of the car and shoots the one in the face. Like this is him reclaiming his Heisenberg legend, right? He's building himself mm-hmm. back up. And you get that that leads into the last episode where, you know, he meets uh, Mike and Gus out in the field and he fucking he has the hat back, right? He's, he's doing the air. Yeah. He goes right up to Gus indirectly doing much more than they are the birds, but basically says, you know, I did this because you killed the child. And then mm-hmm. gives him two options. He's like, either we still work together, you kill me. That's all we got, so what are you gonna do? Yeah. And then <sighs> show so good. It shows how smart the wolf is though, because by the time Gus is laying out his plan to Gail, you know, how long do you need to learn it? Mm-hmm. Done. Yeah, yeah. And you get to the, so good. The two, you know, the flip side of the end of the episode, right? You get 
<laughs> Walt got yeah. one over on him, you know. But then you, on the other side, you cut back and, you know, he's finally corrupted Jesse. Does, you know, this is the first time mm-hmm. Jesse has killed anyone in the show. He finally does it. This la- the last, what, 30 seconds of this episode has got me so psyched to get into episode or season four. Because I want to see what happens between, like, this whole scheme plays out. Like, because you have Heisenberg's just absurdly sloppy style that works for some god unknown reason. Going up against Gus's very deliberate and very strategic plan. And... I'm guessing Heisenberg wins out because obviously the show revolves around him. And like up to this point, he really hasn't had bad luck aside from getting cancer to start this whole charade off, which is crazy. Yeah. Well, I can tell you this show's, this show's too fucking good between this episode and the premiere of season four. That show was off the air for over a year. And what? Yeah, I wanted to pull my fucking hair out waiting for that shit to come back. Was it not renewed or it they was were renewed. Just... like I think it was just weird like AMC scheduling and like oh, okay. they, you know they renewed it late and by the time it's filmed and they were like Mad Men's on and we're not gonna air these at the same time so I had to wait for Mad mm. Men season you know. Yeah, and I'm sure they weren't get weren't going to put it against Walking Dead at that time. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think it might have just been starting. Because let's see, season one of Breaking Bad was ten years ago, so there'd be seven and Walking Dead. Yeah, so it'd have been. Yeah, Walking Dead on the seventh season, isn't it? Walking Dead's like nine. Is it? I think it's nine or ten. Jesus Christ! Fuck that show. I quit after. Let me look it up. (laughs) I quit. I think it was either two or three. But uh, when they went against the governor, I was like, "This is fucking ridiculous." I'm not. I'm out of it. I made it to when like I think it was the beginning of season three. Like they found the prison. I was like, "No, I'm out." Good run, guys. Not really, but I'm done. Yeah, I must have made it to like mid season, and I was like, "Nah." I'm done with this shit. <laughs> so bad. Let's see. Yeah, for the most part. Um, it's not giving. Oh, here we go. Um, season Walking Dead started in 2010. So eight years ago. So yeah. Yeah. So it would have been right about now. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Why it would have if it would have been waiting for Matt. Because that would have probably been the last season for Mad Men, right? Uh, no. I think Breaking Bad ended before Mad Men. Oh, okay. Man. Crazy. Breaking Fucking Bad crazy. Ran for five seasons, and they split the second season in half. But then Mad Men mm-hmm. ran for seven seasons, and they split the second season of that in half. I think. Hmm. I think the fucking Mad Men they played like one season. Yeah, I don't know if I would have been able to to wait for season four, but it, um, 
didn't they split up the fifth season and like the waiting for that second half was so for fucking ever? I think it was a big break between that too. Yeah. This show, man. It's not, as bad. <laughs> it's not as bad as when, like, they split the last season of Battlestar Galactica, and Sci Fi was like, we might not ever hear the last episodes. I'll let you guys know. <laughs> Go fuck yourselves. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, good old TV. Um, so, yeah, the show's fucking incredible, and I'm looking forward to season four now. It's just going to keep going, man. The show doesn't slow down. Oh, yeah. Which is crazy, because it feels like um, it feels like we hit that hump when they're like, oh, they're super lab, and they don't have to worry about anything now, and now it just fucking ramps right back into it. Like, it's crazy to see the overarc where, like, they were just peddling these first couple pounds to the first season, like, making their big deal in the second season, and now actually just cooking 200 pounds a fucking week and now where do we go from here and we still have two seasons left so yeah it's fucking awesome let's start with our top tens or no let's start with our honorable mentions for last year (laughs) uh let's see i got nine ish jesus christ yeah it's basically that 20 list you uh, have to number those, right? Uh, no, I didn't. Uh, I'll just run through mine real quick because I just have quick notes for them. Um, Maze Runner 3, I thought it was great. <laughs> they stuck the landing for this trilogy. Listen, you didn't see it, so you're not in-depth. So I didn't want to put it on the 10 list. But it, it, but it, I thought it, they did a great job of wrapping this whole story. Uh, I don't know, but it was fun seeing... Uh, so Colin from uh, Blandersnatch... Uh, was one of the main guys that was through that series. And, like, seeing his great acting from Maze Runner 3 and then this, like, just was so nostalgic for me, just seeing him again. Because, like, when you see him in the first one, he's such an asshole. And, I mean, he's still an asshole in the third one, but uh, he actually commands a pretty good deal of presence for his uh, character. Um so yeah, I thought that was great. Uh, Black Panther, Coogler continuing to dominate. I'm looking forward to seeing what he does next. I'm sure is his next project Black Panther two then. I'm uh, fairly certain, yeah. Yeah. Um, then we got Annihilation with the fresh concepts and just wildly out of the box thinking. Um, upgrade is much of the same. It's high concept, but just needs a little bit of polishing. I think if you combine that with Venom, you get a really great movie. But obviously, it's completely different storylines. Um, Hereditary. I want. There's something about this movie that I can't put my finger on, but I don't ever want to see it again. <laughs> um, another's Bloodfest, which I just watched this weekend. And I told you about, and you didn't want to see it because it was the writer for Acts of Villisca Murders. Um, no, let's be fair. I thought it was a light. Pay to see it. That's what it was. That's fair. It's fair. I I really think you would genuinely ex- enjoy this film. Um, I think it was. It is what Hellfest was advertised as, um, where they kind of go into the theme park themed after all these different horror movies, and this kid knows 
how to survive the different genres and whatnot. Um, and it's just much psychos killing. So uh, it's a lot of fun. It, it's great to see Rooster Teeth trying these new, bigger projects and getting more ambitious with them. Um, you have a, a a handful of Rooster Teeth um, workers, employees, but they actually got some bigger names. Like you got the kid from Spider-Man who's the man behind the seat. Um, a couple of other actors that I can't name them right now, but like it was a great mix compared to their other movies that they've attempted. Obviously, Laser Team and Laser Team 2. Um, but it's cool to see them take on a project like this in this scope. Um, the other thing I'd say is that like I hate all those people, so that they just grind my gears the wrong way. And that's fair. That's the reason they want to see it. So. That's fair. Right on. Um, Cargo got a nom. I wasn't sure if this was last year or if it was released this year, um, but I really liked it, the concept of this the zombie turn trying to get a goal achieved before he turns into the zombie. Um, Coherence was last year, wasn't it? Uh, which one was? Is that the, the the house party one with multiple dimensions? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, we watched it this year. I think it came out like three or four years ago. Okay, so that's why I didn't make the top list because I really thought that idea of the time-shifting place was really well done in that movie. Um, and then for the last one, I had Creed Two, just because Ivan Drago and his son were such great villains, and like they're the first ones that I was like, I really feel bad for the villain being who he is. So, yeah, yeah that's those are my animals. Because they're so fucking dumb. Ha, 
uh, and I think that needs to be seen. Yeah. And then uh, Sister Brothers, the Western with uh, Joaquin Phoenix and John C. Riley because it's just great. Nice. So, those are my yeah, I've got that on my list of movies I want to see. So because I remember you talk telling me about that. Um, yeah, there's a few more. I'm sure they're probably going to be on your top ten. So we'll uh, probably hit on those afterwards. Cool. Um, so what's your number ten? My number ten was a little film called. You remember that one? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the one where they're uh, she's like on drugs and like um, gets the shooters, right? Yeah, where uh, she's there at uh, a vacation home of her married boyfriend and her friends uh, sexually assault her. They leave her for dead, and it's this uncompromising look of like toxic masculinity and what men think they deserve, and a woman just putting them in their place and yeah dude that hallway scene still is like something i measure movies against <laughs> for sure um i wasn't sure if that was this year or if it was on your catch-up list from last year but yeah it was one of those that i really enjoyed too yeah it was this year but I should preface it, I guess. Like, a lot of my movies... Uh, when I make my list like this, it's what's, what's stuck in my head throughout the year. And, like, there's stuff in this film that... Mm-hmm. You know, like, when she's fucking tripping on the drugs in the fucking cave and she's using a beer can to cauterize her wounds and an eagle fucking comes in. You know, it's, like, just crazy shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, my number 10 is going to be Spider-Verse, Into the Spider-Verse. Really? Uh, I, I, I kind of wanted this movie to be higher, but there were only so many animated movies this year, and I, I felt like one should definitely be there. Um, is this the only one on your list? Yeah. Uh, the other four were uh, Incredibles 2 and then uh, Teen Titans, oh, yeah. which were the only two that you saw, and then Wreck-It Ralph 2 and Grinch. So yeah, it didn't really have any competition. Uh, Teen Titans was fun and great. Um, it just felt a little odd to put on the list. But, like, Spider-Verse was such a great, complete movie. And, like, I'm not necessarily a huge Spider-Man fanboy. I know you are for the most part. But, like, this movie was just so great. Um, showing the different dynamics of these characters coming coming together in this animated film the only way like an animated film can. Um, I love seeing like over this last week like there's people that are trying to tear it apart and they're like there's no way this could happen. There, I was like but you're all right with there being a spider pig like you're not making sense because you're just being you're just trying to find anything to tear this movie apart and it's just stupid to try. Uh, but yeah, it's so much fun. It is. I love that movie. But uh, anybody Yeah. I'm actually probably going to see it again tonight. <laughs> I think, like, on something like, since I get my, you know, three movies a week or whatever, like, and, and we're in the downtime, I'm probably going to catch it again. And I can't remember the last time I saw a movie two times in theaters. So, yeah. I know you give me crap about it, so it's pretty impressive that you're going to. Well, it's um, so what's your... Let's see other shit. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so what's your number nine? Number nine was uh, Thoroughbreds, which if you go back to like February this year or something, it was one I caught. Uh, it is a very, very dark comedy um, about uh, this rich girl and a poor girl and a plot to kill one's father and mental illness. And it's just, there is shit in that movie that I will never look at. It feels like a play. Like, I can very well see this be a three-person play, but uh, just the dialogue, it feels mammoth-esque. You know, it's very snappy and pop and culture-driven, and I just love the actresses, nice. so. That's fantastic. Yeah, I'm definitely going to go back and check that out then. Uh, my number nine was Solo. Really? Uh, when I was, yeah, when I was going through the list, I was like, I just had so much fun with Solo that I remembered coming home and I was like, so in love with everything they were able to accomplish. And like, even though everybody was trashing it, I had such a fun and wonderful ride on the Falcon again. That Yeah. I had fun. Just made it for me. What I want to say, it's better than Rogue One, so it's the best of like this like, off stories, but like it doesn't touch like Force Awakens or Last Jedi for me. But yeah, just for me, like it just it was just this outlaw story that I just needed, and it was like, yeah, that's for sure, just too much fun. And I think it's gotten a bad rap for this year. That I think more people should check it out if they haven't. If if you're on the fence for if you think you might like it, I. Th- think there's a great chance that you'll like it i think there's just a lot of people that were very vocal about hating on the star wars disney franchise at this point so and that one yeah yeah and now we're i think uh episode nine's coming next christmas right yeah this coming christmas so we still have a whole year without Disney, <laughs> Disney Star Wars. So oh, yeah, close. I mean, it is 2019 now. So yeah, yeah. Uh, so what's your number eight? You're gonna hate me for this one. Oh yeah. Number eight is First Man. Oh shit! <laughs> I figured that'd be higher for you. Uh there was just so many good movies this year that one that's yeah. not just really, really good. Like I, I really. Shot impeccably. I think it's like some gorgeous shots in it. Like that whole moon landing sequence is amazing, and there's a great performance yeah. from Gosling that centers it. Um, I just feel it. It's not flashy, I guess. Maybe so. It's kind of yeah. some people. A lot of people like the movie's green, but I was enraptured with it. So. Hey man, no hate. This is your list. I'm good with that. I, I, I knew I knew it was going to be on your list somewhere. So yeah, that's that makes perfect sense. Uh, my number eight's probably definitely going to surprise you, and it's going to be fucking Strangers Pray at Night. Whoa, what? Yeah, Strangers Pray at Night. Um, as I was, we need to pause. In your top ten list, you have a horror movie. That's correct. Um, as I was looking over these 30 that I had listed, there was a handful that fit this horror, just out of, out of left field, just this danger filled movie. Like, um, let's see, uh, you were never really here, Mandy, 
uh, hereditary and but as you mentioned, revenge, like they're these really great pieces. Um, but I think strangers surprised me the most because it was one of those that I was went into very, um, against, I didn't think I wanted to see it. I wasn't going to be shown anything new in the way they held my attention and terror. And like you were saying earlier, like, it's it's something I've thought about multiple times this year. Like it wasn't necessarily such groundbreaking, but it was done so well that it's held on to me since I've seen it. So oh, yeah. it's like, one of those that I've recommended a few times this year. Like that, uh, I'll recommend that movie just for that pool sequence when they're fucking playing. I think we're alone now, and he's bobbing underneath the water. Yeah, and, like in the whole ending with like the truck on fire and shit, like it's just a well-made movie. Um, again, yeah. Yeah. I'm so proud of you. You're starting to understand what. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, a couple weeks ago when you told me if Mandy wasn't on my list that, and like, I saw that strangers was probably going to be making it. I was like, don't hate me because Mandy's not there, but know that it has a it holds a spot because of it <laughs> yeah so number seven for you number seven for me was one of your honorable mentions in um, Annihilation um, I think you know it it's not for everybody but it's kind of that weird smart sci-fi where they just swing for the fences and do something new and different you know and like oh yeah there's so much from that movie Weird, yeah. the weird ballet against her doppelganger at the end. Um, the fucking Tessa uh, Thompson becoming fucking flowers as she commits suicide and gives herself over to the glimmer. Like, there's just the bear with the human voice. <laughs> there's just so many yeah. bizarre things. And what it, you know, uh, it, commenting on loss and grief and how it changes you and guilt and, and getting over things. Like, it's just, it's a very layered that I think uh, was kind of overlooked because it had a small opening and I don't even think it's hit Netflix yet even though they distributed it. Uh, I think it's on Netflix. Okay. I'm pretty sure it is. But yeah, no, it was getting wide release on Netflix everywhere but America like two weeks after it was released. Or maybe not even that far, but like... I think it was day and day. I think, yeah. I think Netflix bought the international distribution to it, so... Yeah. But yeah, it seemed like one of those movies that the studio was just like, oh, fuck, and they tried to bail out, and they shouldn't have. Like, I think it's, it's what... Plus, an all-female cast, you know, you don't get that often. And yeah, and- yeah, for sure. Uh, it appears Annihilation isn't on Netflix yet, so... I think somebody was telling me the other day, but I think they were talking Extinction. <laughs> <laughs> or they could have been talking... Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I'm i so excited. Number seven is, I spoke about this briefly earlier, but it's Sorry to Bother You. Fucking horse uh, This This movie was only made better because of our fucking inside joke that we had running for three months that completely blindsided me in the fucking movie. So ridiculous. It's broken me, and I... I it was at this point that I felt like you were very Illuminati-esque. 
<laughs> like you just could see the you could see the fucking code and just weren't telling me any secrets that you knew. So it was so just a trippy period of time for these three or four months where you were just saying stuff and like shit would just happen in my life and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> All besides me having powers, uh, what about the movie did you like? Uh, I thought it was really great acted. I really love um, uh, the main actor. I can't like it. I love the the duality he plays throughout the movie. Um, kind of going around these other people's lives and like the commentary they have, like on the social situations that are happening right now. Um, all but the horse people. <laughs> well, to that point, it, you know, it's, it's the idea of wanting to make a slave class again to do all the heavy labor. Yeah, going through that, rising up again, and the idea that we are the slave labor already. They just need a reason mm-hmm. to make it more palatable by turning you into horse people. Um, Number six. Well, you should get ready to talk again because my number six is sorry to bother you. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. So good. Horse people. What kind of horse people? <laughs> I, I literally. So I saw this movie when my father was in the hospital, like two hours away. We're staying in a hotel for like a few days. I was like, oh, I can catch this movie because I'm in this bigger metropolitan metropolitan area you still couldn't catch it for like another week and i was like fuck it i gotta see it when i can i remember coming in the hotel that night and my parents asking how it was and i didn't say anything and i just went to sleep because i just couldn't process everything that had happened and i was just like listen i remember getting out of the theater and i was like do not read anything about the fucking movie because if anything of this gets spoiled for you, like, I don't know how anything. Spoiling everything. <laughs> Horse people. Yeah. Army. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so good. Listen, even though we spoiled it, we can't tell you the complexity of this fucking movie. Just go watch it. It's on Hulu. It's worth Paying five ninety nine a month to see this goddamn movie, even if that's all you watch Hulu for. It's worth it just for that fucking scene where they make him rap at that mansion party. <laughs> goddamn, this movie is too good. 
too good. If it could be just a sl- a little bit more polished, which I don't know how you would do that, but like, it would definitely be higher on the list. But like, this movie is so good. It is. I just I just need more people to see that. Yeah, for sure. Um, my number six probably gonna upset you. Uh, it's definitely gonna be Superfly though. <laughs> oh. <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, number six, Superfly. You know, I forgot about this movie. I, that's one that I almost didn't go see because I was like, nah, I'm okay. And you're like, no, you really didn't see it. And I'm like, why? Why did, did I have to see it for the this one held my This one held my favorite movie for half the year. Oh, my God. <laughs> so weird. Yeah. Uh, just, uh, all I remember is just like, it seemed very shallow. Like, it didn't seem like it was telling a point. And then we got to the part where they're racing fucking Lambos through the park and crashing into Confederate flags. And I was like, what are we doing, guys? What's really going on here? The Lambos, the Lambo chase scene is the only part that probably dropped this. is because it made it le- much, much less polished than the other films. But, like, yeah, just a drug dealer. It's it's kind of like a really high end version of Breaking Bad to me. Okay. <laughs> Which I just love that whole um carving out his own little space in Atlanta. Like I don't necessarily think it'd be that hard to do in Arizona. I mean you post up on a corner and you sell drugs, but like them cornering a a huge portion of Atlanta and like sticking with it but obviously them getting more greedy and wanting more uh so they could retire and be like but i think it showed great dynamics between characters and like in this 21st century and like him having two girlfriends basically in uh it's is it polyamorous relationship where you okay um showing different ways of looking at societal views almost and um there there are its flaws but like i just had enough fun with the movie that i knew it was going to be in the list somewhere is one of the flaws when he karate dodges a bullet point blank. uh no because fucking you would do that shit if you're a drug dealer trust me you know the we should start selling drugs the least about drugs of anyone i know it's true it's probably true. <laughs> yeah, but I could play a good game. You could talk a game. You, you'd be like, you would be the Walt at the end of this season. When he's like, please, Mike, you don't have to do this. Please, no. Please, God, don't kill me. Yep. I'll cook for 100% free. me. <laughs> oh, so good. Um, so number five. Top five. We're in the top five. I'm glad Superfly did not make it my number five is Superfly. Oh, yourself. <laughs> uh, nice. Number five for me is eighth grade. Um, eighth grade? Yeah. Um, I thought it was a great performance. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of, like, Bo Burnham, so I wasn't like, oh, God, it's a Bo Burnham movie. But, like, I thought he wrote very realistic characters and kind of shows what it's like to grow up in this the world that kids do now of dual identities and who you are online being someone else yet you 
still have to deal with the shit that everyone does of not fitting in and not being popular and having anxiety and it's just there was parts in that movie that were too real and almost gave me a panic attack because I was like oh god no uh, but yeah then there was you know just great performance from a first timer and uh, oh god I think her name's Fisher some, something Fisher uh, the main girl it's such a young young actress that just held her own for this entire movie yeah carried it all and just did it all so well uh, you know um, but there's stuff in that movie that's just so fucking funny man like when yeah, they're having yeah, school, sure. when they're having a school shooting drill and she's trying to like pretend that she's accidentally sending nudes to people to get her crush to like her and uh, it's it's so good and so funny. Um, I figured this was going to be in your top ten, so I didn't put it in my top ten. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm right there with. You. Listen, listen, I I enjoy it. It's in my top thirty for sure. But I just felt like. You could do it better justice if if people hear you wanting to say it, she, see it. I mean, I got shit like Superfly on my list, so they take you a little bit more credible. <laughs> uh, but yeah, for all the reasons, I really love it too, and I and I am the big Bo Burnham fan. That I think his writing comes through very strong in this movie, and I look forward to seeing what he does next. So. Tell you the story of when that trailer played the first time, or the first time I saw playing theaters. And, uh, no. This fucking, oh, I think it was playing when I went to go see I Love Dogs this year. I'm going to say that's when I saw it. Uh, but there was yeah. uh, a father and a kid with him, and the kid was probably like 17 or something, you know, kind of younger, but not super young. But it started playing the trailer, and it was like from Bo Burnham, and the kid was like, oh my god, Bo Burnham? Yes, dad, we have to go! <laughs> Oh boy, I would have loved to see it with them. <laughs> oh god, I bet you was supremely disappointed in what he figured it would be. <laughs> That's awesome. But I mean, he's tried things out. He's had a show on uh, Comedy Central, I think it was. Um, it was kind of a similar vibe to this this movie, but um, split apart. I think it was like ten parts. But uh, yeah, I think he just keeps doing better, better things like. I think he needs the budget to really prove himself, but like, this is a great jumping point to get that. So yeah, and that's the other thing about oh, yeah. stuff this year was like first time writers and directors just coming out with these really formed ideas and a voice that's their own. You know, you don't between this and sorry to bother you, so if you don't see them aping other filmmakers, you know, it's very distinctively their own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's just like. Um, Dude, for District 9, uh, like a decade ago, like he had this very strong voice that he came out with, with District 9, and got a few lesser known projects, I guess, lesser uh, quality projects with Chappie and um, Elysium. Yeah, don't fucking talk about Chappie. Did, did he do anything else? No, that's he. I thought he had another. I thought he had a stronger one recently. He did District 9. He's kind of gone down since then, but... Yeah. Oh, it's Blomkamp, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah, these these first-time writer-directors are doing some impressive things, and like, that's why this year was probably as strong as it was, so... 
2018 was awesome. Uh, for my number five is going to be Ready Player One. No, no, shows. <laughs> <laughs> Ready, Ready Player One. I can only believe that probably you're going to hate the next few too as well. So, you um, here you were. I you think were, you fucking put the strangers in there to butter me up so that I wouldn't just fucking kill you in your No, I absolutely did not. I really enjoyed Strangers, but. I think the thing that sticks with me for Ready Player One is that last two minutes of the in-game portion where, like, they're in his room and he, it's unsure of what that guy is. He's not quite a uh, hologram projection or a recording, but maybe he's found a way to get himself into the movie. And I think the mains did a really great job of, I I think the villain was kind of lackluster, but for the most part did his job well enough and it was just a fun little nostalgia trip of all this shit that we grew up with being thrown at the the wall and seeing what sticks pretty much i kind of hate that reactionary you just be like hey remember this thing you loved isn't that cool it is like no but but i that's not the part that sticks with me it's this it's the point that we don't know what that guy was and like the maybe there's details along the way that kind of help us with that, but he was like 17 hours long, and you're like that last two minutes are what puts it at number five. No, fuck that movie. Listen, I fucking I still I know I love the nostalgia shit, but that little bit edges it out for me. So I'll give you racing because it's set to the Joe Jet song. That's not I love rock and roll, so I'm cool with that. Yeah. But yeah, it's fucking great. But then it's just like there's just yeah, there's nothing to the characters. Everyone's just I really, I really felt uh, I enjoyed the chemistry that the main two mains had. I thought they did a great story that of why they were helping each other and why they were looking to defeat and and win this race to the egg. So I don't even remember. Didn't they just want to control it so that Mike? Uh, no, they just wanted to make sure it was still open and free like our goddamn internet should be. Okay. It's your list. It's whatever you watch. That's, that's okay. So what's number four? Number four is motherfucking Mandy, son. That movie is so nice. good. It's so good. Cheddar Gobble. You're not going to hear me complain about it. It's fucking Cheddar Gobble. God damn it. Ugh. <laughs> Cheddar Goblin comes back so often that it's like I get such a a joyous reflection. And I was like, yeah, if Cheddar Goblin was Cheddar Goblin's my number one movie. Just that five minute section, Cheddar Goblin's number one movie of the year. But god damn it. I was thinking of Stranger Things. I was like, so not all of Mandy is as great as Cheddar Goblin, but it's still great. But I really enjoyed Stranger Strangers more. But fucking Cheddar Goblin doesn't come back I, like every couple days, just out of nowhere. I'll see it. I'm like, yeah, that's fucking great. Uh, fucking just Cheddar Goblin. And like if I had a pop up Cheddar Goblin, and, and like every time I was feeling sad, if I just hit a button and he just pops up and just starts eating fucking macaroni and cheese, I'd be the happiest person in the world. Fuck yeah! <laughs> but yeah, you have Cheddar Goblin. You have these weird fucking Hellraiser-esque biker gang thing. Uh, you have Nicolas Cage doing so much cocaine. 
pain his face melts off. Um, you have a motherfucking chainsaw fight in the movie. Come on, it's just. I remember. I remember us discussing it um, when we had watched it, and you were in love with Nick Cage's performance, especially the. I think it was like five minutes. He was in the bathroom after they had. Oh my god! Left and everything, and like it was so. Oh, substantial. It's such yeah. a great performance, and that's yeah. the scene that's going to be gift. It's going to be you know, look at Nick Cage crying mm-hmm. and drinking alcohol in his tiny whiteies. But like that scene is so like he conveys the torture and pain that his character is going through in that scene so well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, fucking... and then what do they do? He fucking forges a backpack that goes after these people. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Fucking don't watch Mandy. If you haven't fucking watched Mandy, what are you doing with your life? I mean, honestly, you know, like we've given you two solid reasons to watch it: Cheddar Goblin and drinking on the ba- in the bathroom. Come on, get with it. But like, you know, uh, Nick Cage is Nick Cage. Everyone knows who he is, you know, and how he yeah. acts. But like, he actually gives a semi-subdued performance for a lot of this film. Even once, oh yeah. When I when we came out and I said, "Is the Nick Cage's Nick Cage has ever been like?" That's such a high high praise because it's not completely off the wall. It's not these crazy, insane scenes you see in like Face Off and like his late two thousand or late nineties movies where he's just absolutely (laughs) insane. It's it's that kind of aura, but withheld. And like you can see it illuminating off of him because he he controls it so well throughout this movie. Plus, you know, like he you know, he's just a loving lumberjack at the beginning. And then there's the scenes where like he wants revenge and he's hurting so bad he's going after these bikers. And then he does their jar of demon LSD. And he just becomes, <laughs> he becomes fucking Jason Voorhees. He is a, he is the predator. This movie keeps ramping it up, and you, where you start from, you can't believe that it keeps ramping up. It's so <laughs> I good. There's also a scene where a van full of uh, hippie cult members play a flute to summon demon bikers. If you don't want to see this movie, I don't know who you are, and you need to stop. <laughs> Do us a favor and stop listening to our podcast. <laughs> because there's no help in you at that point. Um, but yeah, really fucking solid movie. I'm so glad it was high on your list so we could talk about it more. <sighs> so good. Uh, my number four... Oh, God. You're going to have to buckle up. Just take a breath. After I just talked about Mandy, what are you going to drop on me? You're really going to not like this. I'm going to need you to take a breath. Uh, my number four is Girl in the Spider Web. <laughs> I like the idea. I like the idea that this character who was we discussed was written in such a uh, derived awful conception that I had thought of it such an endearing way for this first trilogy and when you 
told me all about it and like kind of just ripped it apart. Um, and to see her go from where that left it into this new storyline written by somebody else. And the belief that a character lives on beyond its original creator, like if somebody really is a shit life person, like their characters that they created can go on and be more than what they ever imagined they could be. Um, this is one of those films that kind of encapsulates all that. And like, I know you never saw the original trilogy and don't hold it to high regard, but I really do. I really think it's a great trilogy of mystery that did it well. And um, seeing this character go through what she had done and to see where she goes in this movie was really something complex in my mind for this year. So yeah, number four. (laughs) Cool. What's your number? What's your number three? I love how you don't even ask for anything in back in response. You know, you know. Listen, I know, I know. You just hated that movie, so I don't want to get any of your bad, bad mojo on it. <laughs> Did you have anything you wanted to add for it? Nope. They can go back and listen to that episode. Uh, That's fair. That's fair. Fairly well. Uh, my number three is Suspiria remake of uh the 1970s movie uh that movie has things i never thought i would see in film it's bizarre but also hypnotically beautiful at times the idea of which is coven using dance to do spell work and how it takes over these people's bodies and the way that film just builds and builds and builds to this insane finale is just something I'll never forget. It's not any movie where you have Tilda Swinton playing three different characters, including one of them being a man. I'm cool with uh, more Swinton in my life. Uh, and Dakota Johnson is so good in that movie. Like for as bad as she is in like those fucking Fifty Shades of Grey movies, she is brilliant in this film. And nice. You know, and once you actually see it, once it, 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 it Amazon produced it, so it'll be on Amazon Prime eventually. Uh, okay. But like, like what's going on in this coven mirrors what's going on the outside when we're in, uh, you know, eighties Germany and the Berlin Wall is literally right outside. So the divisive wall is right outside the doors of this uh, dance school slash coven, and it's also the wall and divide within inside it's just it's a very heady film that i wasn't expecting the remake um, to go to that's fantastic no it's on it's on my uh, movies to see and this is the one i was going to ask you about prior to doing the top 10 but i figured it was going to be there somewhere um i'm glad to see it so high i'm i'm looking forward to seeing it but it never it just never got anywhere close to me that i could see it um they only played it for like but i was talking hold it, so. yeah i was talking to a few friends last last night for new year's eve and the, instead of making plans they decided to watch Suspiria. and out of nowhere i was like fuck i really need to see that movie so yeah yeah i'm excited uh, my number three is gonna be Slender. No, <laughs> uh, uh, my number three is gonna be A Quiet Place. Yeah, I figured that'd be on your list somewhere. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just really love the creature design. Um, I love this the idea. Uh, this was a lot of bird back bird box and annihilation. I was thinking of last week when we were talking about it. Is like this world they're creating is it it's out of this box thinking um, and how to form a movie around a creature rather than just putting a creature in the middle of a movie. Um, it does a great way of just showing this story of this family that has a deaf child and trying to help them along as they're bringing another child into this very dangerous world for sound. Um, and all the things that complicate that I was really just enamored by the whole design of everything. And fucking Krasinski, this is his first one, wasn't it? Yeah, no, no, it's his second. He did. Second, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Conversations with horrible men, which I tried watching once and was so awful. I shut it off. <laughs> so I'm glad he made something a little better than that. So, uh, yeah, I was just enamored by it. But how much of it is it being this high because you love Emily Blunt so much? Um, that's a good deal of it, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, but it, a lot of it's the uh, creature design and the dichotomy of the the deaf girl as well i i immediately couldn't believe some of it because it's like why the fuck you, you no you would know better than to bring kids into this world stop it this is a sex yeah. free zone and he's only that's all you get <laughs> <laughs> fair you've you've just been in a shootout with the cartel and uh let's get you back on the wagon but that's about it yeah <laughs> No, it was fine. I enjoyed it. Uh, I just didn't love it like everyone else seemed to. You know, like when that movie came out, it was such a huge hit. And just fucking everyone was losing their minds. I'm like, eh, it's okay. It really felt like it was going, like it was definitely going to be like a two week release. And for somehow, it really just got some legs because word of mouth. And I'm really glad that it did. So, um, there's still plenty of people that haven't seen it, though. So I guess the sidebar is are you excited for the sequel they're making? They're making this, yeah. Actually, I am. Not many movies, I would say that too. I think they ended in a really great way, um, but I, I'm excited to see them take that even further. So, yeah. Because I don't know if we ever talked about this. Like, there's some research I did a few months ago, um, just looking into it, and like, it's not the loud sound that this that gets the. Uh, creatures off kelter it's this electromagnetic pulse is how these hearing aids work and like that microphone amplifies it and that's what irritates them to a point so it's not a loud sound that's doing it it's an electromagnetic pulse so knowing that this movie is way more pretentious than it should have been Um, it does ask you to know a lot more than you should have to going into a movie like this, but I think we did a good job of helping each other out with things that we might not have known. But uh, yeah, I really just like the creature design and the world they made for it. Cool. Number two is the movie I know you're dying to talk about, uh, Hereditary. So, uh, Listen, I have nothing against Hereditary. It's a great movie. Is it? 
it's just not. It's that fucking scene where she's banging her head on that fucking ceiling that I just can't handle and I don't ever want to revisit. <laughs> the rest of the movie is great. Like if they had a cut where it's like, if it's just a blacked out screen for that moment, maybe put the sound in. But like seeing her bang her head on that fucking ceiling, I'm like, I don't want that imagery ever again. <laughs> Like when she's sawing her own head off on the piano wire. That screen, screen, screen. She's cutting her own head off. Um, God damn it. <laughs> Completely forgot about it till right now. Thanks for that. Um, so those two scenes blacked out. Uh, but no, this, this movie was incredible because it did a great job of subverting attention. And I don't think I really saw the trailer. I maybe saw like a half a minute of the trailer. So it was advertised it felt like it was advertised so much differently than what it was given. Yeah, because they were um, like, creepy kid, and then halfway through, that kid gets its head fucking knocked off. Not even that. It was like a third of the way through. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, I thought it was just going to be this creepy kid, and I hate creepy kids horror movies. And like, when she dies out of the gate like that, it's like, well, there's so much more to explore after that loss. And like, the entire scene leading up in the five minutes after her losing her fucking head, like, oh, it's, it's, is just... Oh, it's so good. <sighs> God damn it. Like, I just don't want to even think about it, but it's like, it, it, it should bear witness because it's so intense. And, like, this is just a family wanting to well hmm, I can't really say that because they're fucking in the cult of shit but like it seems like they're just a family surviving in the world and like they just want to do whatever high school shit whatever go and do a party doing some drugs with friends you know as you do um, and then your sister has a peanut allergy and you have to rush her to the hospital it's like but like Tony Collette a couple of scenes, like, at the fucking dinner table, oh like... My God, that scene is so much- the intensity of this whole fucking movie is just something incredible. The, the fucking, that dinner table sequence is fucking brilliant. That scene where, like, yeah. he wakes up and she's above him in bed, and it's like, you know, I never... Oh, God damn it. <laughs> yeah, I really don't like thinking about this movie. <laughs> but that said, you know, if you take out last 10 minutes it's just this horrible family drama you know it's just this family really collapsing and the the inability of them to survive trauma you know it starts with the death of the grandmother and then follows into the death of the daughter and it's this family trying to cope and move on with the loss and not being Mm -hmm. able to and rips them apart and i know not even that it it it's it was drama that was present that the trauma is bringing forward in like the deal with her not wanting a kid to begin with and like the fucking fuel scene like god damn this movie <laughs> and yeah and it's gonna piss me off so much that like Tony Collette's not gonna get nominated for an Oscar because this is a horror film but like that is some of the best yeah. acting I've seen this year yeah, for sure. I'll I'll hands down agree with you on that one. Because, like, I mean, we brought them right up in those moments. Like, 
and this movie stuck with me and it, it's like there's a fucking chill down my spine as I speak about this fucking movie and like I remember getting out of this movie and I was like that really wasn't a horror movie but like the way it sticks with you is just disturbing almost that's how you know it's a horror film because here you are a year later yeah, I mean, like, yeah. You can't think about these scenes yeah for sure and I haven't had a movie affect me like this one has in, a, in quite a while. Like, even even enjoying Strangers and putting it in the top ten, like, that's so safe compared to what Hereditary was. Like, I've heard people say that um, fucking... What's the Stephen King one? The... Fuck. Which one? It's in Ready Player One. I can't think of the hotel one. Shining. The Shining was a movie made to like hurt people emotionally, and it feels like Hereditary was on those same very rails. And it's like it just weirds me out thinking about it. So you're excited for a film, which is also a horror movie, right? What's that? I said so you're excited for his next movie, which is also a horror movie, right? No, but I mean, I'm. This sucks, is because just like fucking Jordan Peele, he makes a great movie, and so, I want to see that. And it's like, god damn it! Also, first time writer and director, had done shorts, but this is his first feature. See, that's incredible. Like, man, fucking people, <laughs> we're only getting better fucking entertainment, and I'm so happy with it. Um. That's all you got for Hereditary then? Yeah, go watch it. It's streaming on Prime right now. I didn't get a chance to rewatch it yet, but I I might tonight or this weekend. Like, I'm ready to watch God damn it. God damn I'm probably going to, too. See, I don't want to, but at the same point, I'm intrigued by it like I was haunting a hill house. It's like, God damn it. It sticks with you and like you want to know more, but at the same point, you want to hold it at arm's length. It's like, that's got to be the sign of a great movie. And it's like, as much as I want to fight it, it's like, I think we did it justice. Like, that movie's fucking great. It is. I can admit that. Like, I'm glad you can admit but You used to be like, there's nothing. I hate it all. I'm never going to watch it. Like, these, they're kind of fucking great. I've kind of broken you this year, and I'm so happy. <sighs> you have. You definitely have. <laughs> uh, god damn it yeah definitely see it on Prime it's worth a one time through because it'll stick with you and then you'll watch it again Yeah, because uh, I know I'm going to fucking watch it again what's your number two then <sighs> to no one's surprise my number two is Infinity War <laughs> uh, I just love everything about it like the way they did number it one is. yep for sure <laughs> Um, the villain they put like the villains movie. Um, I think Russo's did some real magic in bringing all of this that they had to play with for the last decade. It's such a phenomenal experience. Like, I don't think we're ever gonna see anything like it quite recre- recreated, and like to be present during it was phenomenal. Um. Like the 
idea that the story works at all, that they're able to give all these characters some amount of screen time and make it all mesh together is great. Mm-hmm. It's not on my list, though. Oh, I can tell you that, because uh, I, I have problems with it narratively and story structure in half the story. You know, it's a year left wanting, and it, I'm not sure it, it works. Uh, you know, like, we can go back to the episodes on it. I hate it. The idea of me trying to feel some kind of emotional reaction to these characters that I know are going to be back in four months or not. Yeah, I've I've tried to disassociate myself with that way frame of thinking, Um, because I think Spider Verse probably did the the best way of helping me with that because it's. It's just this simple story that they're getting through and all these things are returning to normal at the end of it. But like the journey you go through on it for that whole thing and like (sighs) everything that came together, like (sighs) what were there? 42 actors Uh, that got some itty bitty spot and it just felt like everybody had just the right amount of time and like, Thanos comes through like a fucking wrecking ball in all his scenes and like Brolin as a villain throughout this year was pretty fucking great. We're not going to talk about um, It's done. We're not going to talk about what? Sicario. <laughs> was he a villain in that or was he the hero? <laughs> he was not a good person. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I think Brolin's performance just puts it over the top for me. And like, I, it was it was really a toss up between putting Black Panther and this on on for the number two spot. Um, I think leaning on Thanos and Brolin's performance over edged out the terrible CGI fight at the end of Black Panther. Other than that, both phenomenal movies. I think I need to really rewatch them. Like I had planned to this last week, but never got around to. Um, probably gonna do that in the next week for sure. If you're gonna hold some subpar CGI against Black Panther, then I can hold against Infinity War the fact that they don't use immigrant song. So there you go, demerits. No, hundred percent, hundred percent. We're on the same page. Like with immigrant song, perfect goddamn movie. It's one number one spot for the next two years. <laughs> um, but yeah. I just, it's just, just loved it. So, I I appreciate what they do and what they accomplish in the film, but it's kind of that one last time of me getting a little bit of Marvel fatigue in the sense that we're just setting more up. Like this should be yeah. more like we're concluding as opposed to we're still setting up the next one after. And it'd be great to see if Marvel can accomplish what DC's trying to do where they're just making these one movies, these one shots with the different characters, and we don't have to have these huge encompassing stories. Like, I just want to get back to that. Yes, I want that. Um, and I think, I think if Marvel does that, I think they're really great, because I'll be there for another phase if they're doing a big arc, for sure. Um, I think I'd just appreciate if they were broken apart and this, it's not all tied together, because, like, at the end of the day, it feels like everything was put into Thanos' big sack of joy, and like this was a Christmas story, like because you're never gonna see it again, and like 
it's been a wild trip, but I definitely don't want another 10-year wild trip. Yeah. So. So, uh, fucking drum roll, and what's your number one, then? You can't yell at me because I'm cheating. I'm going to start, I'm going to preface. My number is a tie. Um, And that tie is between Black Panther and Into the Spider-Verse. Nice. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Uh, both those films, in their own way, kind of get to the heart of what I love about these characters and what you're able to do with the idea of a comic book movie and what you're able to, you know, something like Annihilation, right? You got to buy into the world, they have to set up the world and what's going on with it. If you say it's a comic book movie, immediately, like, yeah, there can be a spider pig, whatever. It's a comic mm-hmm. book. You know, I mean, immediately you're given free reign. And a lot of films don't do that. And that's why I love Spider-Verse so much. Uh, it's beautiful to look at. And the idea of them being like, we're going to embrace everything that people hate about comics continuity and make you love it. You know, yep, there's parallel universes and alternate realities and different variations of these characters and we're just going to express that and enjoy it and tied in with Panther like the idea that you know we finally get uh, Blade notwithstanding you know we're getting these multi million dollar movies starring heroes of color and it's not Mm -hmm. being rejected in the way that everyone always said it would be I mean, it's it's nearly been a year since we talked about Black Panther, but I the point that we made that sticks out to me so much um, way back then was we're getting this diverse character that we haven't been given because it's very white-based, but, like, we want these more diverse stories because it adds so much more to a great story that was there. Yeah, and it fits well. You know, like, I buy that Black Panther exists in the MCU, but to get see, you know, it's this this hyper-futuristic Afro-tech, you know, it's just the, the dreams of sci-fi writers being brought to life in a completely believable way. And the movie doesn't shy away from race, not entirely about race, but also mm-hmm. all about race and better for it. Yeah, and, like, to... To the credit of the film, it's like it's hard to have anything bad to say about it because the story is so strong. Um, the writing is credible. Um, it, when you say it's not about race, it's very evident that it is. But at the same point, you can say, oh, no, this is just a fun little comic book movie because like they have this world that doesn't exist in this, this plateau, but maybe it does. And like... It's just but so yeah. much to think about, and like it's so great. It is just and it, like it has so much on its mind, and it Cooler is able to express everything he wants to within mm-hmm. it so well. And again, like we talked about uh, two weeks ago, uh, when you were pimping out how much you love Thanos, I think Killmonger is a fucking amazing villain because I don't believe he's wrong. I think his methods are wrong, but I think he's entirely justified in what. He I love this. I love that this is your number one because it's very, it encapsulates your your taste, and it's a very 
telling of that. And like this, this whole last, last past year, you've been very vocal about um, politics and manners like this. And to have this one as your number one only makes sense because it's got the great story. It's got the great characters. I don't necessarily connect with Killmonger as much as you do, but considering how much I've, I've enjoyed Michael B. Jordan's performances through the years and all the different things, like when he popped up in Kin and I loved him and like Creed too. And like, he's just been on a fucking rocket ship, but like nothing stands out more than his, his character Killmonger to me, but for different reasons than you have. Sure. I think, yeah, I think he's just a very strong character. That is what Black Panther needed to get to the next level compare because, because he's fighting him on a, as high a level as he is when he goes against him in the uh, falls fight and he and he isn't super powered with the flower uh so then so, when he you know but also thematically that's it's so great yeah. the idea you know the thing that almost destroyed t'challa's belief in what he and his family were and could be because his father killed his yeah. brother and now here he is having to stand against his own blood like that and realizing that to be a king, you have to make these hard choices like that, and finally be able to understand what his father went through. And so he, good. Yeah, it's great. And anyone um, and then, fuck themselves. No, for sure. Um, and like that's why I struggled so much with choosing between Infinity War and that. Um, I'm glad you got it because, like I said, our 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 choices are so diverse that I think it makes us great companion pieces to each other um, for liking them for different reasons but also for Spider-Verse I know you're a hardcore Spider-Man fan and to have you enjoy it so much when you didn't think you were even going to like the animation style I feel like this movie fills in every part of the gap from people that were Spider-Man fans to people like me that kind of really only barely knew Spider-Man like I enjoyed Homecoming because it was the average tale of him fighting to learn his powers to take on the villain that he needed to and when you were talking about this a couple weeks back um, the the idea that I keep seeing this around the internet is all these kids and spider personas popping up like anybody can be Spider-Man and that's such a cool concept that they introduced a few weeks ago and like so many people have just gravitated to I have goosebumps talking about this right now. And how no, fucking... that's always that's oh that's always been the reason why you know Peter had a full face mask. It was a decision in the design from Ditko of like it could be anyone under there. It's an easier way to insert yourself into the story and get empathy and have a connection to that character. You know, if you see you know, Batman's jowl with his fucking five o'clock shadow, you know, little girls and boys and, you know, it's chins white. You can't, deny, you can't connect to it. But the idea of you don't know what's under that mask, you know, it's just a very smart, scared child doing his best to do right in the world. And how can you not see yourself in that, you know? Yeah. It's fucking, and plus Spider-Verse had one of the best fucking Stan Lee cameos and like, 
rest his soul, like, going out on that note. I'm sure he's going to be in more, but I think he's going to probably be remembered for that cameo the most. Which yeah. is fantastic. Plus, so. you know, like, I don't know if it was just the trailer that didn't do it. Like, like I said, I didn't want to see it because I thought it looked weird, but it, it's one of the most beautiful animated films I've ever seen. Like, it rides this line between 3D animation and 2D styling. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they frame it like comic book panels, but it pops off in that 3D animation. The idea that, you know, they're paying homage to comics in every single second of the film with, with the color dots and the gradations being wrong sometimes, the way the printing presses were wrong. and Dude, it's so fucking them. special. Yeah, God it's damn. just... What a great year it's been. Fuck. That's awesome. Yeah. It's fucking so awesome. Good. Basically, I've just been biting my tongue and fighting myself because uh, I need to go watch Spider-Man 2 so that I can finally say this is the best Spider-Man movie ever, confidently. Uh-huh. But, like, uh, it's just so good. It's so yeah, for good. sure. For sure. And, oh, that's what they were talking about. They were they were talking about uh, how Kingpin doesn't translate to live action from Spider-Verse. I was like, but you're okay with everything else that like took place. Like, yeah, it's a comic, it's a comic book. And like, that's what makes it so great. Like you can be so comical with these proportions and whatnot. And like, God, it's so good. Like, and you know, it's not like they did that. That looks like a fucking Bill Sienkiewicz, you know, cover. Mm-hmm. Go look at some of his stuff. From, like Kingpin has always been stylized. It's big, you know, like yeah. go look at, you know, fucking, um, some stuff from Miller's run where he's just fighting ninjas and he's five feet taller than them and three times as wide. You know, he's just Kingpin's always been this mountain. That's what he Mm -hmm. is. And he's so good in that movie. The idea of like again the strong like understanding of the villain in that movie. He just wants his family back. You know? Yeah. He fucked up and lost his family and he's willing to destroy everything. Mm-hmm. How can you not agree with that? Yeah, it's fucking good, man. What a great fucking year. So, good. <sighs> not my number one, too much uh, Luke's chagrin, is uh, going to be A Star is Born. Mm, I knew it. With- you fucking, every year you got a goddamn musical, number one. <laughs> Listen, it's not by choice. It's because it just affects me the most. Um, but I mean, again, this is first time writer or director, uh, Brad, Brad Cooper, Brad Cooper, you know, I'm on first name basis, not Bradley, Bradley Bradley Cooper. I'm sorry. I hiccuped at the wrong spot. Um, but yeah, I just fell in love with the movie. I think it's a great, complete story shows the different facets of this tumultuous relationship. And, like, her rise, but also his decline, and, like, them passing each other on the way up and down. Um, But also him wanting the best for her, but her kind of diverging and, like, doing whatever somebody else tells her to, but then finding her voice at the end again, like, and plus all the the behind-the-scenes stuff that just I fell in love with because, like, Brad... Bradley Cooper was looking for somebody for the role and then 
Lady Gaga performed for him, La Vie and Rose, for like some charity event. And then he wrote that scene so she could do it in the movie. Um, and then for the performance at the end of the movie, Lady Gaga had all the extras there and was singing this and actually got called to the hospital for a friend that was in the hospital. I can't remember if she passed or anything, but then she came right back and did this while she was so choked up and made it so realistic. And like, I've seen her perform it for her new live show in Vegas. And like, she has the same heart that she put into this movie. And it's like the fact that they're kind of living parallel to this movie right now is just so extraordinary to me. You know, I'm with you during that, like, mm-hmm. and meet and cute first 24 hours leading to yeah. them fucking, like, playing Shadow on stage. I love it up to then. Yeah, yeah. It, just, it, it takes a hard turn, and I can't follow it in the second half. Um, yeah. But I, I'm completely cool if you can. Obviously, that movie made a ton of money, and fucking Bradley Cooper's gonna win uh, more than one Oscar this year, because what the mm-hmm. fuck? Uh, yeah. Fine. I just can't. I can't follow. I the story loses me at the halfway point. And I, I think the. I think the the point I enjoyed it even more was going back and watching the actual original from thirty seven, where it's such a time capsule of the time and like this actress moving across country and her aunt like pushing her along and like the the hardship she had to face and then falling in love with this very big personality and then seeing their paths cross and like the way that movie ends, like it, it's, it's a very nice reflection, but it's such a time capsule of the time. And it's so weird to think that that movie was nearly a hundred years ago and like the hardships they had to do to make that movie. But like, the heart that was put into this newer version. Like I've seen, I, I kind of want to see the Hepburn version and the Chris Christopherson, but I, I've heard they're not so great, but they do turn it to her being a sing singer for those two movies where she was just an actor in the first one. Um, but yeah, I just fell in love with these characters and like the whole, whole journey this movie takes you on is such you enjoy the first half of it so much because the second half is such a spiral and depressing and like it's yeah. kind of. I mean, I get why that's not why I don't like it. But I get yeah, why some yeah. Like yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. right on. <laughs> Have you seen Greatest Showman yet? I've seen all I need to see. Okay, you haven't even seen it. Nope. But but honestly, don't ever see it because if you hate it, I'll hate you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, right on. This is a great fucking year, man. Yeah, it was. F- for watching 120 movies and having to pick 10, it was pretty difficult. But we That's had some really great ones. There's a lot of trash throwaway. <laughs> I mean, there were, but still, there were some great things introduced that I hope take us down the path and we see again done better so yeah 
Great fucking movies. So what are we doing for next week? Uh, I haven't filled out the whole thing yet, but uh, we'll do first half Breaking Bad season four, and we will catch the, the, the escape room opens this weekend. I want to pitch an idea to you. Um, with Deadly Class coming to sci-fi, I, I know you picked up the first volume, didn't you? Uh, I read the first two, I think. Okay. Now, would you be willing to reread the first volume and then watch the fir- the pilot episode? It's out, right? The pilot episode is out, but I think if we wait to actually see it when it comes out, I think it's like three weeks. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't have to be next week, but if you want to do it next week, but I'm cool with that too, but yeah, I kind of just want to read the first volume and compare it to the because Remenders had full control over it, so I have it. I it's in my it's in my uh, collection, but I haven't read it yet. So Remender, he's not. I know you love him, he's your boy, but no, thank you. But I thought you enjoyed the story, so I feel feel like this is some good middle ground for us. I'm just saying no, thank you to Remender. That's all I'm saying. No, thank you to. So you're on board with Wes Craig? Who? The dude oh, the artist? The art for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but, okay, but I want to do this at least once a month where I'll get a choice and we can relate it to a movie or a show or whatnot, but throughout the year, do like one a month. You're tired of my choice this month, you get a choice next month. So this is a way for you to get me to do Preacher. <laughs> That's fine. I haven't season three yet, so. <laughs> so it's totally in your in your ball cart for next next month, so be thinking about it. Uh, right on. That'll do it for us then. Uh, we will catch you next week with some uh, more goodies as we get into the new year 2019. Peace and pineapple.